In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This is the first Sunday of the Great Lent, and today's Gospel reading um, picks up where last week's read off, uh, left off, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 33. Christ's words, of course, uh, today is from the famous Sermon on the Mount. Uh, along with his other teachings and miracles, this sermon uh, helped to change the world and enlighten humanity. And so we're blessed to read it today. But since this is the first Sunday of Great Lent, it's a good idea maybe to kind of look at the, uh, the Great Lent in general and consider it as our journey. Uh, Lent is a time of year that's filled with spirituality. We read a lot of the prophecy readings. We, we read special readings during the Matins, um, the prayers, the liturgies, the fasting, the prostrations that we do, repentance, charity. Uh, it's a time for giving. It's a time for solemn hymns and prayers for the sick. Uh, we call it, many call it, the storehouse of spirituality, where you kind of build up the spirituality during this holy time of Lent, and it kind of lasts you uh, for the whole year. It's kind of building up the battery, um, charging up the battery. If we look at Sunday readings, we, we can see that it is like a journey. He, the, the, the Sunday readings of Lent um, are considered like and structured so that you consider Lent as like a journey that you're walking. So let's quickly do a summary of the Sunday reading. So Preparation Sunday, which was last week, the journey began with Preparation Sunday and the, and the journey begins within. So we talked last week that, that before we begin any journey, we have to first make it um, a goal inside of us to get to a destination. And so that's why we call it the preparation, right? You're preparing yourself and you're in, inside of yourself making the determination and, uh, and the, um, the, the confirmment that you're actually going to go to the destination. So that kind of a commitment is what is needed to begin any journey. So it starts with going into the inner room to pray, right? And that inner room, as we talked last week, is that secret place in our heart where only us and God exist. And we make that determination inside and we look inwardly about what's happening in our life. And we begin the journey, uh, closing the door behind us, and we begin the journey. The first Sunday, which is today, which we'll talk a little bit more in detail a little bit later. Uh, like any journey, we must pack uh, provisions and supplies. So today's first Sunday, we read not to worry about our life, what we will eat, nor about our body, what we will put on, or worry about tomorrow. The gospel speaks about surrounding Surrendering our life totally to our Heavenly Father. This is what faith is about, and we have to trust in Him utterly and, and completely. We need to have that total reliance on God and lead that life of submission. On the second Sunday, which we'll read next week, we read about the temptation of Christ. As soon as we begin to take our first steps in the spiritual journey, we're immediately faced with trials and temptations and troubles. Um, many of you has, have experienced this, right? When Right when we're about to uh, start fasting, uh, that's when all the sales at In-N-Out or at Carl's Jr. happen. And, and, you know, that's where troubles begin to mysteriously appear in our life with relationships or with work. Anything that the devil can do to distract you from this amazing journey that you're about to start, that you've made a commitment to start, he's going to throw at you and try to fight you from the very beginning. So this reminds us that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but as St. Paul tells us, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And if Satan had the courage to tempt and to trouble our Lord Jesus Christ, 
then we know that um, he will trouble us as well, and we must be careful. We who are weak and made of dust are going up against these uh, people, that these, these beings that are much more powerful than us. But with the name of Jesus Christ and with him inside of us, and by taking up the spiritual armor and the spiritual weapons, we will always be victorious in, in his name, of course. So along the journey, though, we stumble along the way, right? Because of these trials and, and tribulations and temptations that the devil throws at us, we fall along the way. And we also learn the techniques of the enemy from this, too. We, we learn about his, his tactics and, and we know that how to overcome them because we have Christ as our model, which we'll get into next week, of course, and how he battled Christ and was victorious in his temptation. The third Sunday is the prodigal son, because as we fall, the story of the prodigal son is an amazing story of God's always open arms, willing to accept us. The fall of a person in temptation is not the end of the story, but just the beginning. God always accepts us with open arms and welcomes us back, even though we've stumbled. Just like in the story of the prodigal son, where the prodigal son says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son Make me one of your hired servants. And of course, uh, the father came to him and met him and um, opened up his house to him. In the parable, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ shows us the, the, the low level that Satan wants to put us in. He wants to have us eat with the pigs, uh, eat the, the, the leftovers that the pigs ate. He wants to bring us to that level. It's a level of desiring to eat the pods of swine. Right, which back then swine were like an evil or an unclean creature. Um, Satan rejoices to see the sons of God perishing under his control and not having the power to rise again or the will to rise again or the hope to rise again. But Christ teaches a completely different message. He tells us to come and to always have hope no matter what we've fallen in, no matter what troubles uh, ail our minds and whatever struggles we face. He always wants us to come back to him. The door is always open. His arms are always outstretched. And in fact, he's nailed his arms open so that nothing can close them. Again, always accepting us. The fourth Sunday is the Samaritan woman. Along the journey, we find fatigue, right? We're, we're rising, we're falling, we're uh, stumbling along the way, we're getting back up again. The journey's long. Um, and the spiritual journey is just like that. Sometimes it does appear dark and quiet and, and we, we're not always on a, an emotional high during the uh, journey of spirituality, right? We're always struggling and sometimes our prayers, we feel like they're going into like what some of the saints call like a dark abyss, right? That it's going and it's not coming back. We're not hearing anything back. But we always know that even though we're not feeling these emotions, we know that God is still there. Um, in the fourth Sunday, then we hear our Lord tell the Samaritan woman, whoever drinks of this water will thirst, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So along the way, God gives us this water, this refreshment, this nourishment that we need during the spiritual journey as we're spending all of our energies on it. These verses or words are, are what we need to place in front of us, that we always have the nourishment inside of us if we only ask and look for it. Um, many obtain, try to obtain this kind of refreshment from the world, right? But of course, the world does not grant that kind of a refreshment. Only Christ gives that kind of peace 
and that kind of refreshment that uh, truly does allow us to stand in the, in the difficult day. This woman, though, was an example of this. She searched for false fulfillment and false nourishment from other pleasures of the world, but she was not able to get it. And when she finally realized that <laughs> the true nourishment, the true uh, refreshment that Christ can give, she rejoiced and went and preached, of course, to everyone around. In the fifth Sunday, we see the healing of the paralytic man. The fifth Sunday, we receive the promise of healing. Because we've fallen down so many times, maybe we have some wounds and some scars in the spiritual life. Some people have hurt us who are in church or some, uh, you know, God didn't fulfill what we've requested in the way we expected it to be fulfilled. Um, we don't understand, you know, clearly what God has in mind, but sometimes it hurts us, right? So we do receive the promise of healing. We don't receive the promise that we will never fall in the journey or we will never get hurt in the journey. That promise was never made. We will have troubles and tribulations in the spiritual life. Christ never promised that we wouldn't. But what he did promise is that if we persevere, um, we would have healing and just like this paralytic man. And he says to him, rise and take up your bed and walk. See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. So the readings for this Sunday reminds us also that baptism is uh, the washing away of sins and gives us that new beginning. In the sixth Sunday, the healing of the man born blind, when we began our journey, we didn't see the destination because the destination was far away. Now we're developing or we're progressing down the journey and we begin to see the destination. Uh, through perseverance and through hope and through falling and rising and falling again and falling again and again and God rising, raising us up every time, we've now progressed in the journey through perseverance and we now see the destination. And we say with the blind man that was healed, I was blind and now I see. So that we call this Sunday the Sunday of spiritual enlightenment, the Sunday of baptism. That's when we <laughs> begin to see that destination. On the seventh Sunday, we reach the destination. And we say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. We now have reached the end of the journey. And we see the kingdom, the heavenly Jerusalem, and Christ there entering into glory and we with him. The entry of the triumphant king, our Lord Jesus Christ, into Jerusalem, which we'll celebrate on Palm Sunday, uh, the end of our journey uh, before we begin Holy Week, is really humanity entering, entering into Jerusalem, that heavenly place. He's entering into uh, that glorif the glorified place on our behalf. So this is also our entry and our crossing of the finish line, our reaching of the destination. It's an amazing journey through Lent. I hope we all kind of be participant in this and not just uh, be on the peripheral of the church during this uh, nice time, this being the first Sunday. Um, one of the, you know, the, the things is that this, these seven weeks actually summarize the whole spiritual life that we're condensing in seven weeks. Um, with its beginnings, its failures, its successes, its nourishment, its healing, we receive from God along the way. The joy we finally receive when we cross the finish line. All of this is a symbol and a summary of the spiritual life that we will uh, experience. So let this Lent be beneficial to all of us. But let's now return to the first Sunday's readings, which is what we read today. We're starting this journey with a reminder of four things. Christ reminds us on this first Sunday to start the journey, reminding us of four things. First, to keep our heart and eyes focused on heaven. Keep our eyes on the destination of the journey, right? When we're 
focused on the troubles, it's a little bit more difficult. But if we keep our eye on the finish line, then things get a little bit more encouraging. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. To value that eternal life more than any worldly desire is the key to us overcoming any kind of temptation and the key for repentance. And it's not like we're trying to understand something that's difficult. These things are indeed, the, the truth of the matter is that these things are much more valuable, much more enduring, much more peaceful, much more better than the riches of gold or, or any kind of peace or friendships we can have on earth or family we can have on earth, these things are greater than all of that. This is just the reality of the matter. When we start experiencing that, we focus our, our hearts and our minds on heaven and the things that we think about, those are the things that we love. The things that we think about often, those are the kind of things that turn into love. And um, we focus on that eternal place, which is our truly our home. We know that Christ raised three people from the dead in his three-year ministry. Even some of the church fathers as well raised uh, people from the dead, and so did the apostles. Uh, that's not a surprise for us. In Isaiah uh, prophecy, it says, Isaiah chapter 26, Your dead shall live together with my dead body. They shall arise, awake, and sing. You shall dwell in dust, for your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out its dead. And in John, do not marvel at this. <clears throat> Gospel of John chapter 5. Do not marvel of this, for the hour is coming which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. There will be a resurrection of the dead. We look for, we look at those end of days, the second coming and the resurrection of the dead, because that's where our true life begins. That's where our rewards are kept for us in, in peace and safety and security. That's where mercy and justice will be uh, shining forth. That's where the true resurrection uh, that will be everlasting, the world without end. Every Christian, one of uh, a distinction, distinguishing characteristics of a Christian from most other people is that we always look for that world to come. You're not really Christian if you're not once in a while thinking about that world to come, that true home that you're existing, that we will exist in. That home is where our eyes and our focus should always be. What do we say at the end of the creed? What's the last part of every creed that we read? We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the coming age. Looking to that true resurrection reminds us that we are just sojourners on earth. We're just travelers. So that no matter how difficult things get on earth, we know that we're just passing through. This is just temporary. In a short period of time, like a vapor of smoke, that appears for a while and then is gone, that's what our life is. We will eventually be leaving this life. So we looking there affirms our belief that the dead do indeed rise from the dead and will never die again. And it gives us courage to face every challenge and face every uh, obstacle in this world and to get back up again. Looking there gives us a depth of peace and removes a lot of anxiety that we face in this world. We see even life's worst challenges as temporary. And that's true, right? Even life's worst challenges are temporary. As a cloud that hangs over us for a time, but eventually blows away. We know that Christ will perform these things because these are the things that he promised. And he is the truth. And of course, we know truth does not speak things contrary to itself. The second thing of today's reading is Christ saying that the eye is the lamp of the body. It's a call for us during Holy Week at the very beginning or during the Holy Lent to, um, at the very beginning to protect our senses. 
you, you've all seen that the, you know, the little kids know the, the little uh, thing with the three monkeys, you know, where one is covering his eyes, the other is covering his ears, the other one's covering his mouth, right? They're protecting their senses. Um, the senses are the lamp of the body. It's the gates of our thoughts. It's the, uh, we don't think about anything unless we've seen it, tasted it, heard it, felt it. Um, these are the things that we contemplate on. These are the things that we eventually love. And these are the things that control our actions. So our senses is where it all begins. So at the very beginning of this journey, we're told to guard our senses, especially our sight. Our sight is where most of the data comes into our brain, right? That's the main data input for all the computer engineers in the audience, right? That's the main uh, way for information to be put in our mind. Either we're bringing in um, good things or bad things. Like on this journey, either we're bringing good and supplies into our kingdom that's within us, um, or we're bringing the enemy inside to destroy us. Sometimes we allow things to be seen or heard because we think they're innocent or they're harmless. Um, but they are like the Trojan horse. If you guys know the story, the story of the Trojan horse, uh, this horse was given as a gift to a, a kingdom that was non-conquerable. So the, the enemy said, we're going to play a little trick. We're going to offer him this huge horse, but we're going to put all our soldiers in the belly of this huge wooden sword, uh, horse. And so the enemy finally opened up the gates, allowed the horse to come in, partied. And at night, the belly opened up, the soldiers came in, opened up the gates and destroyed the whole city, right? Many are a lot of the Trojan horses in our life, a lot of innocent things that we think are innocent and we allow them to come through the gates of our kingdom, which is inside of us. And, it, and then they open up and they cause a lot of damage. If you want to read more about the Trojan horse, you can read Virgil's, uh, Virgil's Aeneid. The third thing. He tells us that we cannot have two masters. This journey is uh, that we're taking us, uh, that we're going on, is taking us to the master's house. You can't have two destinations in one journey, right? That's impossible. So we're either going to the master's house or we're going somewhere else. Two different destinations um, cannot be on one journey. So either you're taking one journey to one destination or the other destination. We're either servants of God traveling to Him or servants of something else traveling somewhere else. Such as the world and its riches, some are servants of Satan, some are servants even of themselves. But as St. James says in his epistle, Do you not know that friendship of the, with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And in John's epistle, his first epistle, he says, Love not the world, neither th the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And of course, we say this when we say this at the end of what? Do not love the world, nor the things which are in the world. We say it at the end of every Catholic epistle. The fourth and final thing that Christ teaches us in today's reading is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you, and also to not to worry. As we're, we are early in the journey, we remind ourselves that our Lord is the initiator of the journey. He's the one who started us on this journey. We wouldn't be at the journey in the first place if we weren't invited by Him. So He loves each of us and He invited us to take this journey. So He is the beginning of the journey. He is the destination of the journey. And He is the journey Him itself. He is the journey Himself. 
He is the companion along with us on the journey. As he says in Matthew, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Lo, I am with you always. That word lo, which we never use except in, in the Bible, right? The word lo means to look as if something suddenly was made apparent and clear. Look. I am with you always. Look suddenly. Look suddenly. He's right there next to you. Look and see that the companion is there with you, walking with you on the journey, caring for you, lifting you up when you fall. He doesn't promise that there won't be troubles and failings like we talked about, but that it, because some of those fallings could be for our benefit. We benefit from those fallings. We learn from those fallings. We say that um, you know, the, the best teacher we have is failure. Failure is the best teacher. When we fall, that is the best way we learn. Uh, and especially when we fall and it hurts. We, we know that that is the best teacher. He is traveling with us, picking us up, and uh, always watching out for us, nourishing us, healing us, enlightening us, and entering into uh, with us into the glory, into the final just destination, which is that heavenly Jerusalem, which we'll experience on Palm Sunday. I look forward to walking this journey with you over the next few weeks, and may the blessing of Great Lent be with us all and strengthen us to renew our thinking and to be renewed and not to be conformed to this world but to God, to whom be the glory forever. Amen.